Grant Cottage is now open to the general public. For more information, check their website, grantcottage.org. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Tim Welch to the program. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Thank you, Bob. Always a pleasure. Years ago, Tim Welch was the popular TV weatherman at WRGB Television in the Albany market. Then he started Welch Public Communications in 1987 after he left uh, CBS 6. And he also took on an active volunteer life, if you will. He is president of the Friends of Grant Cottage. The Grant Cottage State Historic Site is located on Mount McGregor in northern Saratoga County. This site is where Ulysses S. Grant spent the last six months of his life. The Civil War general and former president died of throat cancer at Grant Cottage in 1885, just after he finished writing his memoirs. Earlier this year, the History Channel on television debuted a docudrama about Grant. How did the producers get involved with the Grant Cottage in making this production, Tim? Well, Bob, it really started when Ron Chernow, who wrote the book on which the series was based, came to Grant Cottage about five, five and a half years ago to do research on the last place where he spent the last six weeks of his life. And uh, I got to meet him at that time. And ironically enough, he left his notebook there and we had to rush it back to his hotel room after he had interviewed a few of us about uh, Grant and what our impressions were of, of our historical research into Grant's time in northern Saratoga County. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, whose production company produced the three-part series that was on the History Channel, um, bought the rights to the, the TV rights to the book, and I believe he's also bought the movie rights to the book. And if you can imagine Leonardo DiCaprio playing Ulysses S. Grant at some point in his life, I guess I can imagine that. <laughs> um, and uh, sure. uh, in any case, uh, uh, the production company filmed at Grant Cottage last October. And um, while we were a small fraction of the last part of the, of the six-hour series, um, they did uh, create a special 90-second uh, piece that ran each of the three nights and gave us a tremendous boost to our website, um, the irony of which is that the website is the only thing that most people can see right now because due to the pandemic, we're not allowed to give people tours until, we hope, the end of June. Really? So, and in fact, uh, this will air in July, so let's hope that you're open then. That's our plan, to open on July 1st. Well, that'd be great. Um, and the docudrama makers did a lot for the Grant Cottage. They even gave you a, a donation, didn't they? They gave us $25,000, the uh, A&E wow. Networks, the History Channel, uh, to be used to upgrade our visitor center, at least that's what we intend to use it for. And uh, so they've really been very generous to us, but most importantly, I think they put us on the map when it comes to uh, a national television exposure on the History Channel. 
uh, and we got yes. a lot of hits on our we got a lot of traffic to our website and our Facebook page to prove it. In fact, they interviewed one of the volunteer guides, are they? Or there's probably another word for that. Um, yeah. A fellow named Ben Kemp. Uh, they interviewed him, and he's in the piece that they made about Grant Cottage? Yes. And um, he also was uh, paid to go down to their studios in New York City and record a series of interviews, as was a number of other uh, historical um, mavens, if you will, uh, including Ron Chernow. Uh, Ron Chernow, who wrote the book on which the series was based, um, was a producer in that series. And so uh, I found the series itself to be very faithful to his book, notwithstanding the fact that not a lot of most of the time was spent, I think everybody who saw it would say, most of the time was spent on uh, three or four major battles in the Civil War. Yes, that was true. I didn't did watch the the whole uh, shebang there on um, the History Channel. And let me correct myself. I said the wrong thing when we started that Grant was at the cottage for six months, but he was there for six weeks, right? Six weeks, right, from roughly July, from June 16th through July 23rd of 1885. Well, since uh, we're talking with uh, Tim Welch of Grant Cottage, let me ask you about that, the end of Grant's life. Uh, why was why did he go there? What was the story uh, getting him uh, that got him there? Well, that is a good story. Uh, of course, roughly in the fall of 1884, Grant was diagnosed with throat and tongue cancer. And uh, by the time that he actually allowed a doctor to examine him, uh, he was beyond the ability for them to cut it out, which still might have been possible. There was some rudimentary surger- surgical solutions to some of these things back then. And But by the time they diagnosed him, he uh, they basically said it was terminal and that he had only months to live. And so that accelerated the process of him wanting to do something for his uh, family, because shortly before he had the diagnosis of cancer, he also found out that uh, the investment firm that had his name on it, Grant Reward, had collapsed, taking all of his 200 and some odd thousand dollars in savings with it. Uh, his son had gotten him into this Ponzi scheme, in effect, and uh, the bank, quote, known as Grant and Ward, collapsed, taking all of his money with it. And so this created a twofold compelling reason for Grant to write his memoirs, which might have been the only way that he could provide for his family's future after he left, after he left this world. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's when Mark Twain came to him. Mark Twain had just published Huckleberry Finn, and he published it through his, his own publishing firm, which was operated by his Twain's brother-in-law, mm-hmm. and um, Twain promised Grant 70% of the profits, including a $25,000 upfront payment, and mm-hmm. Grant was offered only 10% of the profits from uh, a magazine for whom he had written, for which he had written 
three different articles and got a thousand dollars a piece for them, which was pretty good money back then, but not seventy percent of the profits uh, of a of a book. Mm. And so mm. that's what uh, got Grant writing like crazy. And Twain also paid for a stenographer to so that Grant could dictate a good deal of uh, the. Mexican War experience that he had and the Civil War experience, which is what his memoirs were limited to. They did not cover his two-term presidency. I'm glad you said that because I've never read the memoirs. I don't know if you have, but uh, I wondered if they covered his presidency. I listened to the audio book. Ironically enough, I listened to the audio book, which was uh, read by someone with a distinct Southern accent. Really? (laughs) But they're really good, Um, and they're still in print. That's the irony of it, is that they're still in print 135 years after Grant died. And there aren't Mm. too many pieces of Victorian literature that can say that. And just a little bit more on Mark Twain, or or just maybe kind of an appreciation. I mean, that was really good of uh, Mark Twain to do that. And knowing a, a little bit about Mark Twain also, Mark Twain also ended up having money problems. Good thing he didn't have money problems at the same time as Grant, or maybe this never would have happened. That's a good point. Uh, Twain was famous for investing in, uh, like, one of the early linotype machines. I don't know if any you know anything about printing, but he, invented in a, he invested in an early linotype machine that just never worked, and it was very expensive and very... It was a Rube Goldberg-type uh, mechanical system that just could not be made to operate efficiently. And he, he invested in all kinds of cockamamie things that never gave him a return on his investment. And what he ultimately had to do was go around the United States and around Europe on speaking engagements for which he was paid handsomely to um, pay down his debts and uh, try to make money from, um, you know, from uh, his uh, literature, if you will. Mm-hmm. But with Grant going to the cottage with his wife, right? I mean, didn't his wife and maybe some his of his... whole family was there. His yeah. whole family was there. And um, they, uh, the family lived in the second floor of the cottage, which we don't really show to visitors. We showed them only where the great man died and spent the last six weeks of his life. But yes, his whole family was there, and he was very pleased about the fact that his family was there in, uh, as he uh, moved off into uh, history. Now, was going there, was that also sort of, or was that for his health? I mean, in other words, Grant, I believe, lived in New York City toward the end, and yeah. uh, this would get him out of the city up into the fresh air of the Adirondacks. Absolutely, and during that spring and summer of uh, 1885, it got up to be, 100 degrees in New York City, which under the best of circumstances is not easy to take, and especially before air conditioning had been developed. And Grant had almost died in April of that year, and they um, they kept him alive long enough to try to... And, and the New York Times had somebody parked at his 66th Street Brownstone on a regular basis giving reports on his health because he was the most famous person in the world at that time. He had just come back from a, a worldwide tour that took two and a half years where he went to 30 different countries, and he was hailed as, uh, you know, this 
two-term president of this hot dog new country called America, and uh, he was the first man to captain a million-man army. Uh, so there was, you know, he, he was very famous in his own right, and he accumulated uh, a fair amount of what he was able to save in this trip. He was given all kinds of gifts and stuff. Anyway, he, uh, I forgot what you had asked me. <laughs> well, I was saying, <laughs> I was asking you about the Adirondacks and its healthfulness. Oh, and, and the reason healthy. that uh, it was owned by the Drexel family, uh, that, you know, Drexel Burnham Lambert, Drexel University, they were also big in banking in New York City. And they had known that Grant was up there because the New York Times had been writing about his health. And Drexel offered Grant and his family to come up to this little cottage that uh, the Drexel family owned uh, up on the top of Mount McGregor, which was nine miles north of Saratoga Springs. Everybody knew about Saratoga Springs at the time. And this was going to be Drexel's competition to Saratoga Springs. He built a 100-room hotel and moved the cottage from the summit to where he built the motel. Uh, hotel, I should say. And, uh, and the cottage was moved the year before Grant got there to about 100 yards below the summit. And he, Drexel, offered Grant and his family to come there because it was probably 25 to 30 degrees cooler in Saratoga County than it was in New York City that summer. Mm. But at the time he was there, there was a hotel there? Yes, there was a 100-room hotel called the Balmoral, which Drexel had built. Uh, and he actually moved the cottage that Grant stayed in 100 yards from the summit so that the hotel could be built on the summit because it had a magnificent view of the uh, Hudson Valley there uh, because it was the highest point in Saratoga County, only nine miles from Saratoga Springs. And uh, Drexel built a uh, narrow-gauge railway from Saratoga Springs to Wil the town of Wilton and the town of Moreau. It's in both towns nine miles away so that's how he got because everybody was going you know in the 1880s the only way to get to saratoga springs was by rail from new york city or from mm -hmm. boston and so everybody came by train and so they built a separate narrow gauge set of tracks from saratoga springs to the town of wilton mm. up this mountain now while grant was at the cottage did a lot of people go visit him there were people who visited him including uh, Simon Bolivar Buckner, who was a Confederate general who surrendered to Grant after the battles of uh, Fort Henry and Donaldson, which were the first two victories that Grant had shortly after his Civil War career began in uh, 1862. So late 1861, early 62, which was one of his first... Uh, achievements and Simon Bolivar Buckner actually surrendered the fort to him and mm. uh, and before that Buckner had loaned Grant money to get from a western fort back to his home in Illinois and uh, mm. and he remembered that and uh, and it was a it was a big deal for Simon Bolivar Buckner to come to Grant Cottage and, you know, say, wish his best to Ulysses S. Grant because he represented the 
Confederate veterans who viewed Grant positively because Grant's terms of surrender at Adam Appomattox, which were actually Lincoln's terms, were so relatively generous because after Lincoln was shot, there were plenty of people who wanted to hang Longstreet, Lee, and other major Confederate generals as treasonous, you know, rebels. Mm -hmm. And uh, Grant prevented that from happening. We're talking with uh, Tim Welch of the Grant Cottage in northern Saratoga County. Uh, back with him in uh, in just a moment. Do you want to put in a word for our GoFundMe campaign for the Historians Podcast? If you go to our website, bobcudmore.com, you'll see in the banner on the right a place where you can click to go to the GoFundMe campaign, and you can donate from there. If you'd rather send a check in the mail, you can... Uh, Make it out to Bob Cudmore and send to 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. And thank you very much. Tim Welch is with us. He is president of the Friends of Grant Cottage, I presume the board of Grant Cottage, something uh, like that. And we're talking about Ulysses S. Grant, uh, the U.S. general and U.S. president who died at the cottage uh, located in northern Saratoga County. When he died, uh, I would imagine that that co cottage became the focal point of the, of the news for quite a while. You're right, it did. And, uh, and of course, there was a funeral there uh, soon after he died on, on August 4th when they were able to get people up there. Uh, and then he was taken after a small funeral at the cottage he was taken down to Saratoga Springs to that other spur of the railroad and then taken to uh, Albany, where he lied in state at the newly built state capitol uh, at roughly on August 6, 1885. And then, again by train, he was taken down to New York City, where there was a special uh, funeral at uh, City Hall in New York City, and then he was, uh, there was a seven-mile parade or processional route, if you will, uh, and there were six uh, pallbearers, two of whom were Confederate generals, uh, and it was said that a million and a half people lined the route, and it was the biggest crowd ever assembled for a, uh, a funeral or any other event in New York City up to that point in time. And this was on August 8th, 1885. And then, of course, he was buried in Grant's tomb. But it mm -hmm. was a temporary tomb at the time. And then in 1890, they uh, they raised almost $700,000 to build what today is everybody knows as Grant's tomb, a much more magnificent edifice. Yeah. And the reason they did it there is because... He wanted to be buried with his wife, and at the time, you could not have women buried at West Point. Oh. So the reason they had this special area near the East River was because, the Hudson River, was because of uh, the fact that he wanted to be buried with his wife. And, his wife and I remember an odd thing from my youth, maybe you do too, or I'm, I'm older than you, and maybe you didn't ever see this, but when Groucho Marx used to do 
You Bet Your Life, the quiz show. That was always I his do sort of that. throwaway question. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? But well, I, I guess in, in terms of what we're talking about, it just shows that, let's say, somebody like Groucho Marx, who grew up in New York City, I presume, uh, th- that Grant's tomb was like part of the fabric of life. Everybody knew about it. That's right. And uh, the reason that he wanted to be there uh, is because at the time, West Point could not allow women to be buried uh, on the grounds of West Point. And mm. uh, so he said, okay, I'll, let's find a place in in New York City because I love New York City. It had been his home for the last 20 years of his life or so. He also had a home in uh, New Jersey, mm. a summer home, How did- which he lost which he lost when he broke, when he went broke. Hmm. Now for the Grant cottage, uh, what is the history of the cottage? What kind of historic site is it? And maybe I'll just toss in. I, I, it's not like a U.S. government site like the Saratoga battlefield, is it? No, it's, uh, I mean, we've debated whether or not to become a part of the national park system, which I suppose we could, but we have, you know, it was transferred to the people of New York State in about 1890 when it was operated, um, you know, by a veterans organization, a Civil War veterans organization, the GAR, Grand Army of the Republic. After the, you know, after 1885 until about 1890, then the uh, uh, a bag of money was set aside to uh, provide a caretaker uh, residence there uh, to allow people to come and see it. But then in, 18, in 1985, uh, roughly 100 years after the death of Grant there, the state of New York said that it couldn't afford to keep it open anymore and, and didn't have, you know, in the early 1880s, New York State had uh, some significant money problems and they were going to close Grant Cottage. And that's when the Friends Group that I'm president of was formed in 1889, actually, to... Uh, to keep the place open with volunteer help. And that's what we've done ever since then. So uh, the genesis of, of the group that uh, the not-for-profit organization that keeps Grant Cottage open um, is a not-for-profit where we have three part-time employees and a couple dozen ardent, historic, uh, passionately passionate uh, history buffs like myself, Mm -hmm. who keep the place open by charging nine bucks a pop to take people through the rooms where the great man died. Hmm. And, and, uh, and we we also get, you know, donations from the public uh, through our website uh, of not, uh, and we, we are on uh, the schedule for this fall to be voted as a national historic landmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we expect to have happen. But we're not Sounds part of good. the National Park Service. We're technically part, we're adjacent to Moreau Lake State Park, which is part of the uh, state system. And because we are, uh, the building itself is owned by the state of New York, that's the reason we have to respect the current uh, pandemic uh, lockdown rules, which prevent us from taking anybody through the rooms until we hope phase four occurs on or about the first of july well and so again we're hoping that the cottage is open uh as you listen to this uh, podcast 
And in any event, you can go to the uh, Grant Cottage website probably for the latest information. Absolutely. GrantCottage.org. I almost forgot to mention that. GrantCottage.org. And we're, we only just have a few minutes left, like four, but I, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Ulysses Grant's place in history to bring up the negative. He had a reputation for being a butcher and a drunk during the Civil War and had a corrupt administration as president. Is all that true or is the truth more well, it's, it, new? It depends on who's writing the history. I mean, normally the winners write the history, right? But right. in this particular case, the losers wrote the history. In other words, for the sake, there's something called the Dunning School of the Lost Cause School of uh, American History, where they basically represented Lee and uh, uh, Stonewall Jackson and uh, uh, Johnston and a whole bunch of other people as uh, these uh, courageous defenders of Southern aristocracy and states' rights, and that uh, the only reason that Grant won was because he was lucky and had more men and materiel and a lot of Irish and German immigrants that they put into the Union Army as cannon fodder, and he was extraordinarily lucky. But, yes, Grant was just a, a drunk and a butcher, and, and that prevailing opinion lasted uh, into the 1960s. In fact, in 1948, they did a survey, and Grant was near the absolute bottom, uh, number three or four worst presidents ever. And um, that just wasn't true. But for the sake of reuniting the sections, uh, a lot of people allowed that to, to be said about Grant and about Lee. I mean, in many ways, Lee squandered his army, he, he, you know, um, and he made big a mistake at Gettysburg trying to go north. But, of course, the, the, the South was always fated to lose a civil war because they were only 9 million people versus 21 million people in the north. And, and half those 9 million were African slaves. So, mm. you know, they were probably never going to win the civil war because the, the north just had too much horsepower and industrial might. But, you know, for the sake of... Uh, letting them have their myth about, you know, these great noble generals like Lee, the marble man, as we call him, because there are so many statues of him around the South. You know, they, and all, Grant, Grant became a casualty of that because in many yeah. ways, his presidency, he was, he was the person who carried out Lincoln's vision through Reconstruction, which the South really hated, Reconstruction, and, and that's what Grant tried to do. And and he, he uh, got rid of the Ku Klux Klan in the late 60, 1860s and early 1870s by creating something called the Justice Department, which hadn't been created at that time, and indicting 3,000 Ku Klux Klan members and going after them with federal troops. Now, not too much is learned about that because it wasn't until LBJ 100 years later that anything was really done about allowing African Americans to vote. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He also did a lot for the Native Americans when uh, William Tecumseh Sherman said the only good Indian is a dead Indian. Mm. And we were we were engaged in genocide against uh, the uh, Native American race at that time, and he created the reservation system, which has a lot, a lot of pros and cons you could say about that. But in many ways, he may have saved the red man in the United States. Our guest on the Historians uh, podcast has been uh, Tim Welch, 
president of the Friends of Grant Cottage, the last home of General and President Ulysses Grant on Mount McGregor in the northern Saratoga County, uh, New York. Uh, For the latest information on when they're open and so forth, uh, go to uh, grantcottage.org. Is that what it is, Tim? Yes, it is, grantcottage.org. Okay. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. 